0: Hello and welcome to the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast. I am your host, Mike Patria, joined by my good friend and mortal enemy after he started talking his junk before the podcast even started, Harris Kermani, here to break down this wonderful January 3rd slate. We got six games. He's going to talk about Gary Trent a whole lot and uh, deservingly so. I think I, I think I had to take that one off, as I would say, Harris off the chin.
1: Uh, no, nothing like that. It's just fun to see uh, that he has now hit five straight games with 30 points in a row. That's actually tied uh, Demar Derozan for franchise record. So he's definitely in some rarefied territory at the moment. And for him to keep it going like that, and for the Raptors to pull out the wins, they are. I mean, outside of DFS, it's been pretty, uh, pretty profitable for me to bet on them when they're down at the half every time. Like the money line live line goes up to like three point five four to one each time, and it's been. Uh, it's been good for the last couple of games. No financial advice, but maybe keep an eye out on that when other games happen.
0: Hey, listen, man, if you can make money off your own team, there's nothing better than that. Uh, you know, if they lose and you're making money, at least you get the little a little bit of a cherry on top or the glass half full approach. And if you win while they're making money, well, that's that's glory, my friend. Uh, but yes, for all those you who maybe did not listen to our what was our Sunday show, uh, we made a little. Little friendly wager that Lou Dort would outscore Gary Trent. Needless to say, I lost. They both did well. Uh, they both did well, but Trent did better. Uh, so I, I lost that one. But guess what? There's no Gary Trent on this slate, my friend. So let's see what you got tonight. Maybe we have to run it back on another little friendly wager here. Uh, before, before we jump in. There,
1: there is Gary Trent on this, on oh, this slate. And on, I was going to go on. ahead.
0: I missed. Oh, yes, shit. Uh yes. <laughs> He is. I didn't even see the oh man. You can't take Gary Trent. That's just cheating at this point.
1: <laughs> I was like, that's my mid-tier pick right there. And all of yeah, a sudden he's exactly.
0: <laughs> Yeah, no, no. Well, there's no Gary Trent for you on this slate. How's that? Uh, like you can't you. take No, you can take him. Out. That's your guy. I'll find somebody and that's I actually saw two two to three names in that mid-tier range right around that six K before we started uh, hopping on the show that I had some good interest in. And there's no way this guy puts up 30 again, right? You know, I could say that. There's, there's no, there's no way. <laughs> it can't happen again. Dude's been shooting like 50% from three. Uh, you know, you can't keep that up. Uh, you take your trip, man. You take them. Um, I'll, I'll let you have them. But before we jump into anything, quick shout out to Thrive Fantasy. This show is gonna be off the rails. But if you want to get on the rails, uh, go hop, uh, go hop over. Check out Thrive Fantasy, guys. It is the number one daily fantasy sports and eSports app for player props. With Thrive, you'll eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on top-tier athletes like Gary Trent that have the biggest impact on the game. Choose 10 of 20 available prop bets. Each prop is assigned a fancy value for both the over and under based on how likely it is to hit for Gary Trent. It's probably 30 or over points. Uh, and hit the most props, rack up the most points, and share, win a share of the prize pool. Thrive is over fifty thousand in guaranteed prizes weekly for the NBA and is awarded over sixty or six. I'm sorry, sixty, probably sixty at the point at this point in time. Uh, six million dollars thus far. Use promo code ethos when you sign up and receive it one hundred percent instant. That is instant. First deposit match at up to one hundred dollars. You can find Thrive in the App Store, Play Store, or by visiting their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop today. That's the new way we're going to do reads. It's all just going to be based on Gary Trent. So
1: <laughs> I like it. I like it.
0: <laughs> we'll start off with the first game here, my friend. Minnesota Timberwolves traveling to Detroit. They are taking on the Pistons. So for the injury report, Cade Cunningham is questionable as well as Josh Jackson. And then Luca Garza, Sabin Lee, uh, Isaiah Livers, and Jamarco Pinkett. Pickett. Both will die. He's even got a minute yet, Pickett. Uh, and then for the Timberwolves, a lot of questionable names here. We have Patrick Beverly, Leandro Balmaro, Josh Okoji, and D'Angelo Russell are all questionable. So we'll check over on the Vegas line and see what we're looking at here. And guess what? We do not have it. Matter of fact, we only have two available for this night's slate. And one of them just happens to have Gary Trent in the game.
1: As many Gary Trent jobs as we can get. We'll
0: pass it over <laughs> to you, my friend. Talk about this Minnesota Timberwolves game.
1: Yeah, the Minnesota Gary Trents, but yes, the <laughs> Minnesota is in a great spot here to be able to do quite well. Uh, plain and simple, Carl Anthony Towns. Anytime he's ten thousand or less, he's always in my player pool. He's always one of my favorite guys to be able to go ahead and take. And Best of all, he's been on an absolute heater for the last four out of five games, 50 plus DK points in each of those. And he hasn't even been forced to play the kind of minutes that's required against Denver. They had a blowout win in that one, only had to play 28 minutes against Utah, another blowout win, but still played 34 minutes in that one as well. But really against two top-tier athletes, top-tier centers that he's had an opportunity to go up against. He's done quite well, and in general, Carl Anthony Towns is one of those guys who just needs to get his groove going, and he'll find himself shooting quite well to be able to get his value. So in 10,000, in a matchup in which they just don't have the size or, frankly, the lateral movement to be able to go ahead and keep up with Carl Anthony Towns, I expect him to be easily able to hit 5x, if not 5.5x on this matchup. Uh, Even if he doesn't have to play you know, that 30 35 minutes to be able to get to that i expect his usage and his efficiency will be there to allow him to hit that value so he's definitely my key guy there uh patrick beverly you mentioned it's questionable came back first game only played 15 minutes but even then he was effective in that time uh, put up 11 points five assists 24 dk points in that so if he goes ahead and plays here uh, it doesn't look like or if it looks like his restrictions are going to be slightly lessened from what it was the first time and honestly i don't i don't think he would have actually played 15 minutes it was just that he got into like four fouls in 11 minutes which forced him to go ahead and sit out for a long period of that so i expect him to be able to play a, a decent amount of minutes if he finds himself on the floor so definitely keeping an eye out on that and then with the, the d'angelo russell news it's really Ventorian prince who's gotten the opportunity to get Not necessarily the minutes. I mean, he's getting 24 minutes, which is good. It's consistent. It's been like that for the last three games, but it's the shot attempts that's really getting there. And the fact that when he gets those shot attempts and he's hitting them at the efficient clip that he is at the moment, he automatically becomes a guy that is just a great guy to be able to take at uh, 4,500 or less, 4,400 in this case. So coming off 45 DK points, obviously you don't want to be chasing that too, too hard, but his floor is just very secure. The last two games before that as well has been in the mid-20s, so I'm very happy to be able to take him at the small forward position as a good pivot from everyone else I'll be looking at later on in value. I like what you said, my friend. Uh, for me,
0: it's mostly used to be Towns and Beverly. I've been burned by the Princewell one too many times where I just I can't do it, but he's at a reasonable price tag where I won't argue with you if you want to go there. Uh, I know we just saw that big upside game in the last one. I just think that's outside the norm, and it's probably whatever you – you know, five or six games that he's actually playing that amount of minutes where we'll see one of those, if probably even fewer or far in between. So I don't think I necessarily want to chase it, but I, I am all over towns. He's probably one of my favorite guys, uh, in that 10 K range available. And then, uh, I, I think, you know, Patrick Beverly, you hit the nail on the head. I was going to mention it. The early foul trouble really limited his minutes. Uh, it looked like he was moving well in the court too, you know, ankle injury, probably still bothering him a little bit, but if he's getting 26 to 28 minutes, uh, I have interest If D'Angelo Russell plays, I might back off of it ever so slightly, but no matter what, I think he's still a, a solid option at 4,800, uh, to the piston side of the ball. One of my, uh, mid tier plays I was talking about earlier would be Jeremy Grant. I think 6,500 for Grant in this matchup is just too cheap. Uh, he played in his first game back in the last one played 29 minutes and the news came out before the game that there was no restrictions for him. Now, 29 minutes isn't a full complement, but he looked like he came down of there uh, unscathed. And we'd probably be looking at anywhere between 30 to 35 minutes uh, in a close competitive game. He didn't do anything in the ancillary department. Shot pretty decent, uh, nothing crazy, no defensive stats. So box score watchers might see that last game uh, and be scared off of it. But keep in mind, this guy had a massive usage to begin the year. He already mentioned that he didn't want to go to a team, that he wasn't going to be a focal primary offensive option for him. This dude's going to want to shoot. He's knocking a lot of the rust off, but 6,500 just seems a little too cheap. And then if Cade Cunningham happens to sit, I think we can get a good look at either Killian Hayes or Corey Joseph. I think Corey Joseph is probably the safer of the options, considering he's playing good minutes already. Uh, And then, obviously, he'd have a little bit more responsibility at 4,300. So he's probably a guy right in that Torrey and Prince range I prefer ever so slightly more. But those would be the only
1: two guys I'm interested in fair enough although i was going to say at that 4400 price tag if cade is ruled out i'm definitely looking at hamido diallo as well just plain and simple if he can get him, himself into a situation where he'll play you know 25 minutes which is likely uh, given the fact that, or given the chance that cade is out he would probably find himself shooting anywhere between 13 to 14 times in that as well so you know, we've seen the upside games that he has anytime he gets going, and it really just comes down to him getting hot like that. And at 4,400, I think that's a pretty nice GPP play to be able to go ahead and see if he can get hot like that. And, you know, I like I said I like Torian Prince on the other side, but it's Diallo who I'd be taking in GPP if I'm looking for that upside on top of the guys you spoke about.
0: All right, we'll keep it moving. 7.30 Eastern Standard Time game. Phoenix Suns traveling to Atlanta. They are taking on the Hawks here for the Hawks. DeAndre Hunter is probable. Trey Young is questionable. He set out that last game. And then for the Suns, uh, pretty much cam- uh, normal guys that have been out. Dario Sarge, Campaign, Landry Shamet, Abdul Nader, Frank Kaminsky, all rolled out. Jay Crowder and DeAndre Ayton are probable. Uh, looking at this game total, I believe this is one of the two that we, we actually do have. 224.5. Phoenix favored by five. I will pass it over to you. Seems to be a pretty it's, it's edging to be a competitive game. So I'm assuming that means that Trey's probably leaning more on the likelihood of playing. I know he warmed up
1: prior to the game, so just didn't end up giving it a go, but give me your thoughts on this Phoenix team and what you're expecting from them. Yeah, exactly. And you know, keeping the eye on the train uses pretty much everything that's going to determine how much exposure I choose to have on the Phoenix side, because if I expect it to be competitive, then Chris Paul is definitely a spot to be able to look at. I mean, he's been Absolutely lights out the last three games and it's the minutes total. That's really starting to uh, get. I mean, I would say shocking. I didn't expect him to be putting up 40 minutes a game, 39 minutes a game in the last two, but clearly they've, uh, they've needed it. It's been situations where Phoenix has found themselves either in a hole in the fourth quarter or just in a really tight game. And if Chris Paul is not there as the maestro for them, they're finding themselves really struggling. So we've spoken about it a couple of times between chris paul and booker i'll usually lean chris paul just because of the fact that he can go ahead and get you those big dime games alongside just a couple more shots which happen anytime the game gets close that's when you know the fourth quarter chris paul comes out he usually shoots uh, anywhere between five to six times in that period alone just to be able to get the rest of his uh line rounded out so definitely like him uh Mikhail Bridges is kind of interesting to me because for me, it was always a situation of usage for him. Is he going to get the shot attempts that frankly he should be getting because he is one of the more efficient scorers on that team. And, you know, he's just got a lot to his game. And I've always liked him personally as a basketball player, but the fact that he's gotten 16 shots and 14 shots in the last two, uh, definitely gives me hope that uh, that price tag is something that he can go ahead and get on a regular basis. It's not necessarily that I'm jumping towards him because at 6400, that puts him in Gary Trent range and now we're talking about something else altogether. So you you <laughs> can't get in Gary Trent range and expect <laughs> to get an action. Can't, exactly, can't get in Gary Trent range, but if you're not looking to get in Gary Trent range and want to get a little pivot in there, then Michael Bridges at 6400 is definitely in play. And uh, again in GPP, Cam Johnson's one of those guys that you can always count on having the capability to have that 41 dk points game that he did like he did against minnesota so it's all about whether he can get hot whether he can shoot it's always one of those where at 5100 it's probably about the extent of the floor that he has so if you're looking for a little bit of upside if the game uh, can lean towards him shooting well that's another spot but really it's uh chris paul and uh, maybe a little bit of mccall bridges
0: I'm kind of right there with you. I think I prefer uh, Paul over Booker. You said it perfectly. The assist totals, they just get you the extra points. It always has a little bit more of a concrete floor compared to Booker as well, but this is a fantastic matchup for both of them. We always talk about how going against Phoenix is just, it's, they're like the good version of the Rockets when it's just, you know, there's no defense being played at a fast pace. It's just that team can actually score uh, and keep a game a little bit more competitive. So, I wouldn't mind looking at either one of those guys. I don't know where I'll end up falling on him when it's all said and done. But outside of those two guys, I'm actually looking at like Jay Crowder. Um, you know, returned from his injury. He's only playing about 25 minutes in that last game. But he's a guy that he's kind of the reason why I don't think I'd be looking at Cam Johnson. Uh, those big 30-minute games were coming with Jay Crowder out, and now with him back in the lineup, he's probably going to you know get a decent of the line shares minutes at the four, anywhere between 25 and 30 minutes on a nightly basis. Uh, we kind of already saw it happen. Just you know, speaking in that last game, uh, Cam Johnson's minutes went immediately down from 36 to 23. So, you know, that's one thing I just wanted to you know mention just because I think that there's obviously going to be an impact on both those guys. But Crowder at 4,200, it's cheap enough for, for me to take a couple stabs. I do like the matchup. He put up 30 DK points on them earlier in the year. Granted, that was in about 35 minutes and I don't expect him to get 35. Uh, but I do think right around that 28 to 30 minute mark feels pretty secure when at 4,200 if he could easily probably return five, maybe even six X. So uh, those are probably the main guys I'm really looking at. And then on the Atlanta side of the ball, obviously it's going to be all greatly impacted by Trey Young. If Trey Young plays, uh, I don't think I'll have too many shares of him. Just an overall tough matchup. A lot of other guys in that 9K range, two, two in which we just spoke about on the other side of the ball. And then, several others that we'll get to later on. So I don't think I'll end up on Trey. And the one guy that I could see myself having a share of might be a guy like John Collins. I do like this matchup for him. Uh, 6,300 just feels a little bit too cheap. And overall, it's going to be a tough matchup for all these wings. And if Trey sits, you can definitely take another stab. Um, I had plenty of wearer uh, in that last one. I think you can look at him. I prefer him over Bogdanovich on a night-to-night basis. Uh, and I think DeLon Wright at 3,600, you know, not the greatest efficient shooter or scorer. But just a dude that we've seen time and time again be able to rack up multiple stats, whether it's assists, boards, steals. Uh, he gets you all those ancillary stats. 3,600 feels a little too cheap for him. So he'd be worth the dart throw again if we see Trey up. For the most part, I'll be looking at Collins and Herter.
1: Yeah, right there with you, especially on the Collins side. Even with Trey there in the last game, that's where Collins went ahead and dropped 41 DK points in that game as well, uh, scored efficiently. It's you know, By and large, it's a pretty decent matchup for him. We'll have to see. Uh, The DeAndre Ayton side of things as well, he's listed as probable at the moment, but we'll have to see if he actually goes ahead and takes the floor. That'll probably have a little bit of an impact. But as you said, 6,300 is just a really safe floor for John Collins. Yeah, He flattered to deceive in the last game, but even then, when he's not uh, necessarily having a great shooting game, his floor is still usually pretty secure in that uh, high 20s to low 30s. So not too much downside taking him here at 6,300. And uh, DeLon Wright, I would actually say he's in a really great spot to be able to do well At home, he's found himself doing quite a bit better than he has been away. Just the shooting splits are better. His overall uh, production per minute is better. So it's just uh, a nicer spot to be able to take him if Trey is, in fact, out. Like I said, it's a pretty safe dart throw. you will be able to get 5x on it. It's just whether he'll be able to get that 6 or 7x to really make it uh, one of those value plays that's absolutely smash. All right, uh, next game. I will skip this game. I don't think there's
0: anybody that we need (laughs) to talk about And and this one. Actually, there's two guys I know that you're you're chomping at the bit to talk about. Chicago Bulls traveling to Toronto, ready to take on the Raptors or the Trents, whatever you want to call them. Uh, Alonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, Derek Jones Jr., uh, and then Patrick Williams all rolled out. Zach Levine is probable. And then for the Raptors, Goran Dragic and Kem Birch. Have already been ruled out. This game's coming in at a 223 total. Toronto being favored by two. Talk about the Raptors, and let's just get the elephant in the room. DeMar DeRozan traveling to Toronto. I know you're gonna have some <laughs> crazy stat
1: for me, so give it to me. Yeah, DeRozan. And it's funny enough, actually, it's DeRozan away from home, I've been facing Toronto. That's where he's dropped like the two triple doubles that he had, and a couple of other big games. But in general. DeRozan just uh, will find anything that he can do to go ahead and hit his uh, DK points value here. At 9,200, I'm not you know, excited off the charts to be able to go ahead and take him, but the Zach Levine news is what I'm waiting at. Uh, yes, he's listed at probable at the moment, but it's just one of those where you know it's, it's coming on a back-to-back. He's coming back from his injury. It's one of those where I could potentially see him sitting one of those two games out. So if this is the one that he sits out, then DeMar definitely becomes even more uh, of a solid pick as far as the bulls are concerned because i'm not really enamored with the rest of the lineup uh ao at uh, 5600 doesn't have the greatest upside he'll probably be able to get you somewhere close to 30 but there's just not much that excites me about going ahead and taking him and same situation with vucevic as well it's just the price tags are in a spot where the upside is just not there although vucevic i mean given the fact that um, the raptors front court is the one area where they've continued to struggle Ken Burch is still out uh, Boucher is not really a traditional defender over there and Precious you know Precious is good but he's finding himself uh, you know more squeezed as far as his minutes are concerned instead they like to play Siakam in center so Boucher could be in a good spot to be able to produce he's had a number of good games against the Toronto Raptors but again at 9100 you'd have to start to think about some of the other ones there so if Levine's out Tamar is my main guy otherwise I might actually be avoiding most of the Chicago Bulls all right. looks like I get to talk about yeah. the Toronto Raptors. Uh, where should I start here?
0: Uh, no, let's see. Siakam, Van Vliet, OG Barnes, other guy. Uh, a lot of a lot of decent options here. Uh, I'm really not spending up on too many of these guys, though. I think you know Siakam, Van Vliet. Both these guys are in solid spots, but for a few hundred dollars more, you're looking at you know. Some pretty rock solid options in general. This game, I believe, this game did it went to overtime when they faced earlier in the year, if I'm not mistaken. Did it not? Yeah, the one of them did. Yeah. So you know, take all these stats with a little bit of grain of salt. Um, you know, I know, I know Van Vliet performed well. I think he only played in one of those games. Uh, he performed extremely well in that game. He could always get it done. Eighty-eight hundred is right priced appropriately. It's just you know, there's a lot of these guys in that high eights to low nine k range that are that we have to consider and. I don't think I'm going to end up going with them. To be honest, I don't think I'm going to go with too many Raptors in general. I think that they're all pretty much priced appropriately and Gary Trent Jr. is on a heater. So I'm not going to say don't play him. Uh, I think out of my morals, uh, I might have to just give it a, I wouldn't say a full on fade. I'll probably end up from playing 10 lineups. I'll be in two, but after getting cooked by him, I I feel like I have an obligation to just not play him because I talk junk and uh, it would just be, it would be disrespectful for me to play him. But I just don't see myself landing on too many guys here. The one guy that probably piques my interest the most would be Scotty Barnes. Um, but again, he's been a little bit up and down. We haven't seen too many upside games at 6,800. I don't know how much meat's left on the bone. But you're the, you're the in-house Raptors
1: guy, man. You Give me your take on this. And Gary Trent. <laughs> well, I mean, by and large, I think you've hit the nail on the head. The fact is, with all these five starters out there, you pretty much know, first of all, that the minutes total is going to be high for all of them. You'll, you're going to be able to get pretty consistent uh pretty consistent floors with all of them you know siakam has been pretty much sitting at that 45 and higher range throughout so you know, his price tag is very appropriately priced van vliet as you said has the capability to have those big games and he and he has been able to have them and you know the chicago factor is also you know one of those things again it's it's him going against his home team the team that he was a fan of he's always been uh out to kind of prove out that he is an all-star level player now against him. So I could very well see him having another big game over here. But again, as you said, it's if I'm looking at all the starters and I'll have to stick with it until Gary trying to hit 7,000, I'm going to have to go with him. Just given the fact that he is clearly the key shot maker for this team outside of uh, outside of Fred Van Vliet. Like Siakam and all these guys uh, between Siakam, OG and Scotty Barnes, they kind of divvy up the rest of the uh, the rest of the not only playmaking abilities but also the shots get divvied up between them but it's van vliet and scott and uh, gary trent that are getting 20 plus shots a game so given the fact that uh, gary trent's obviously 2700 dollars cheaper than fred van vliet it's just a, a spot that i just can't can't find myself hating him i just don't see how he hits anything less than you know 32 to 35 dk points on a night where He's not even doing all that well because the rest of the stuff will kind of come around to be able to make it. So I'm I'm still going to be there with him. He he may not have the same level of upside as he did when he's in the 5000s. But uh, until he gets to that 7k, I'm going to have to stay on brand. Otherwise, I may be being a little hypocritical.
0: I think we both are staying on brand with Gary Trent Jr. (laughs) (laughs) It just is what it is. And listen, don't don't you don't need to listen to me on this one. This is me kind of halfway joking uh, and being a stubborn mule. Uh, where I'm saying, you know, because he just beat me in a bet. You know what I mean? It's uh, there's a lot of six K guys I do like, and I do expect them to draw a fair amount of ownership just based on the heater that he's on. And all heaters, they they tend to cool off at some point, and I might just be losing money until that happens. But I'm willing to take a couple stabs on them uh, if I'm building multiple lineups. Just probably not in my in my single entry, uh, and also because I just don't have a lot of ownership in this game in general. So. You know, a nice 98-89 game would make me happy if I if I just limit my ownership there. Uh, but we'll move on to the next game. Miami Heat traveling to San Antonio to take on the Spurs. Uh, looking at this game, we have the questionable return of Kyle Lowry dealing with personal family issues. Uh, there's a decent chance he could suit up for this one. Jimmy Butler is questionable. Caleb Martin is questionable. Marquise Morris, Casey Akpala, Victor Oladipo are ruled out. And then to round it out, we have... P.J. Tucker, questionable, and O'Marriott, seven, still in the healthy and safety protocols for the Spurs. Katie Bates-Diop, Zach Collins, Jacques Landale, all ruled out, as well as Jacques Purtle, And then DeJounte Murray and Doug McDermott are questionable. I will pass it over to you. It's kind of hard to give a, a firm take on either one of these teams at the moment with the
1: key players being questionable, but tell me how you're approaching the Miami Heat. Yeah, exactly. And that, those two questionable tags between Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler are 100% going to be kind of the major thing I'm keeping an eye out on. And I'll probably uh, have a little bit of buffer room set for myself because uh, otherwise I'll pro- I'll look, be, be looking to take Tyler Hero. But if Kyle Lowry is actually in and Jimmy Butler, let's say, is not, I'm actually very interested in making that swap because Lowry at uh, anything under 8,000 as a primary option is an absolute smash especially with uh, Bam over there. They've already shown that they have great chemistry. And a lot of those big double-digit assist games that he had earlier on in the season, I mean, he's had a lot of good assist games, but some of the bigger ones early on was really just getting the lob into Bam. He's shown that he can play with big men incredibly well. So Kyle Larry and Bam Adebayo is almost like a little mini of uh, Lamello and uh, Lamelo and Miles Bridges in terms of their connection there. So I do like that opportunity. But if both of them are out, then Tyler Hero absolutely becomes... Uh, The key guy to be able to look at just purely from a shot, uh, shot taking capabilities, just he's going to get 20 shots a game as well. He may not get 20 shots a game and hit him as well as Gary Trent, but he'll go ahead and get 20 shots a game. So that automatically puts him in spot for me. And then as centers, uh, honestly, I was between uh, Carl Anthony Towns and Bam Adebayo in terms of like how my lineups were actually getting built out. Obviously there's a $1,600 difference there, but Bam has been absolutely awesome ever since he's come back. He's looking like completely rejuvenated. That last Toronto game was like a glimpse in the type of upside that he has offered on a regular basis. And in those games, since he's come back, he's pretty much been uh, you know, 40 and above in any of those games where he's played you know, 35 minutes and above uh, his, his field goal percentage is back trending up to where he should be as well. So I expect his price to start getting closer to that 9K range. And as it stands now, the upside is still there at that 8,400. So on this matchup, it depends, on, honestly, on the San Antonio side as well. If Deontay Murray's out, then perhaps this game may not be as close as otherwise expected as well. So that may take a little bit of shine off. But I think uh, with all things considered, Tyler Hero should be pretty safe regardless of how things work out.
0: Well said. And I think the biggest thing with Bam that you know I've noticed is he's actually getting defensive stats finally. Throughout the like what the first month or two that he was actually yeah. playing... He was not getting a single defensive stat, and now since he's returned, there's literally only been one game where he hasn't had both a block and a steal, uh, and in that game, he still had a steal, uh, but that's the key factor for Bam, and it always has been. You know, He's a great passing center. We know he's going to get as close to 10 rebounds, pretty much night in and night out. He's a primary focus in this offense uh, next to Jimmy, especially if one of those two sits between Jimmy and Lowry, that should continue no matter what. Uh, they're going against the uh, Spurs team that's missing their two, I guess, top centers. It, it seems like he's in position to just eat here. Uh, 8,400, I do like him. Uh, I do like Jimmy if if Kyle Lowry happens to need another game. I'm a little worried about Lowry knowing that he hasn't played in about like 23 days or whatever it is. I don't know if they're just going to throw him back in there for 35 minutes at his first game back. Granted, it's not an injury. It's nothing like that. He was dealing with personal things. But uh, something tells me that they still might want him to just work on conditioning. Uh, Just a little bit, but I think those, uh, you know, Bam, Tyler Hero, either one of those guys sits great options. If Butler plays, I'd like Butler. It's going to be a good game all around. Now, if Butler sits, I think that we could also take a look at a guy like Max Stress. Uh, We also have Caleb Martin, that's questionable too, another wing. It's just as soon as we start to see a couple wings go down, and this guy, every time he plays, it feels like, you know, 30 or more minutes outside of the last game, of course, against Toronto. uh, We're usually getting a pretty solid return, especially on 4K. So, for the most part, keep your eye on the injury news. Bam's in play no matter what happens. Uh, Tyler Hero is obviously in play no matter what happens, but becomes a much better play if either one of Lowry or Butler sit. And then I think if Butler sits, we could definitely look at a guy like Max Struss uh, and feel pretty comfortable with it. And if Butler plays, I like Butler. So there's all the all the takes I have, I guess, and all the types of scenarios that could happen. Uh, on the Spurs side of the ball, DeJounte Murray being the big question mark, as you mentioned before, if he sits, lock in Derek White at 6K. Um, I'm good with that all day long. He'd be one of those guys that I would probably, and listen Murray sits. I don't think Gary Trent becomes chalk anymore. Uh, I don't think he draws high ownership at all. I think a lot of people would rather just, you know, take Derek white. It's not the greatest of matchups. It may be, uh, a little bit, a little less competitive of a game, but six K for a guy that would be the primary ball handler, primary shot taker, and everything else that comes with it, uh, it's just a little too cheap. We know that he has great defensive stat upside, one of the best shot blocking guards in the league. Which feels like he's routinely paying off that price tag at five X, and if Murray sits, it really unlocks like that seven to eight X kind of uh, upside that we could get from him. So. Uh, I have no problem looking at Derek White, and then obviously I think we need to talk about Drew Eubanks. Now that there's no centers left on this team, uh, he should pretty comfortably be looking at around like 25 to 26 minutes, uh, and then the rest will probably get divvied out to a guy like Thad Young who hasn't really played. Uh, but they're going to need some size, and that's exactly what it comes down to: is they're lacking size. They're going to need some bodies, and at the end of the day. You know they don't have too many trustworthy guys that have actually even seen minutes in this rotation. Thad Young's also a candidate at the trade deadline where it wouldn't be a bad opportunity to maybe give him a little extra run coming up to it. Where I, uh, you know, showcase him, I guess, a little bit, show people that Thad Young still has a little little left of the tank, uh, and end up sending him off to a contending team for you know, whatever it might be, a uh, role player in a second round pick. Uh, he doesn't warrant a first round pick anymore at this stage in his career, but. Uh, that's pretty much what I'm looking at. It would be Derek White, it would be Drew Eubanks, and uh, the off play would probably be Thad Young at low ownership. But that's a risky one, because there's a decent chance, unless we hear anything or
1: read anything, dude could still be out of the rotation for all we know. Yeah, fair enough. And, well, first of all, I did a little fist pump, because it looks like you're coming around on Derek White, and I feel like I've, uh, I've converted another one. But on that note, it was actually interesting last game, apart from the fact that the Warriors kind of forced you to go small in general, but they actually ended up going with doug mcdermott at power forward and Keldon johnson ended up kind of switching over to this little small ball center that they had going so it'd be interesting to see what they actually decide to do in, in this game over here because eubanks only played about you know four minutes five minutes in the last game obviously he should be expected to play a little bit more considering the fact that bam's on the other side but if i find that they're actually going to go with that same kind of small lineup that they did last time with devin vassell getting the opportunity to play at the three and Keldon Johnson kind of getting shifted over uh, to the five, then I'm actually very happy to go ahead and take those three. And that's where I was kind of looking at that Derek White, Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell and trifecta. All of them are at prices where there's lots of upside, especially again, if DeJounte Murray is out and there's tons of upside and tons of usage for these guys to be able to divvy up between them. I've always been big on the Devin Vassell train. I just think it's uh, one of those where, first of all, I think in the second half of the season, he's going to be absolutely unleashed. Uh, they, Plain and simple love what he has to offer not only on the defensive side just altogether just one of those stereotypical spurs all-around players that's going to be big for them so i've always been big on him 4500 is a great spot to be able to take him obviously last game he showed kind of upside that he's had and he's had two games back-to-back in which he's gotten that 30 minutes plus and it's not even that he's shooting all that well in those so really there's lots of room for him to be able to grow and Keldon johnson who's on the other hand who has been shooting incredibly well for the last couple of games now that is one of those where, hey, is the heater going to happen to come off? But for him, again, the floor has just been so secure because of the fact that his minutes are up there, high, mid to high 30s. In each of those games, he's just figuring into so many different lineups for the uh, San Antonio Spurs. And they love the fact that he can play between the 3-4 and even the 5 if required. So... You know, those, are, those are guys you want to take a look into. I actually like all of them more than I trust someone like Eubanks. Who's a pretty, uh, he's a decent shop blocker, but he hasn't shown himself to offer too much more. And I don't think Popovich is all that enticed to be able to go and play him other than these young guys who he's shown that he absolutely loves. <coughs> excuse me. And listen, if that happens, I probably
0: would limit my, my Derek White shares at that point. Um, if they run Johnson, excuse me, hold on. Wow, joking over here. Um, if they end up, you know, playing Johnson at the center position, they're gonna get cooked. Um, uh, and I'd be a little I'd be a little hesitant on Johnson if they do that, just because Bam is one of the most versatile defenders. I generally wouldn't target anybody going against Bam. I think the only reason I would look at Eubanks if he starts is because simply he's a min salary guy starting. Uh and he could trip and fall into anywhere between six and eight rebounds pretty comfortably, maybe block a shot or two and end up with like eight points and get you get us like a nice twenty to twenty five DK points. But uh, that would worry me just because Bam's one of the best centers in the league when it comes to just being versatile and being able to shift on two guards as well, uh, let alone, you know, a guy that is going to be undersized playing that 4 he'll get cooked on the defensive end um, and cooked on the offensive end. So, I, I mean, we're going to have to wait and see, um, you know, respectfully, respectfully agree to disagree on this one, because I just don't think that the they will try to do that. I mean. Maybe it's kind of like a throwaway game if Murray ends up sitting, and in that case, they're saying, let's just try to figure out, mess around with a couple different lineups and see if we can, you know, sneak one away due to a mismatch. Uh, but I just hate targeting. I mean, Bam's the one dude that can, you know, contain Giannis, and we've seen that several times over the past, like, two years, where I, I already know, anytime the Bucks are playing Miami, I, I do not go anywhere near Giannis, simply because Bam's done such a great job on him. So, you know, it's just one of my one of my fears, I guess, is is targeting too many people that go against Bam, but... Again, at mid salary, I would play Eubanks. I just gotta wait and see. I guess and hopefully we have that news. Uh we might not, we might. Um, but I think I'd be a little I'd be a little hesitant on Keldon, just me personally, but maybe we'll find a nice little friendly bet with that one too. Uh just kidding, because now kelden Keldon will go off for fifty <laughs> in my face. There you go. Uh Sacramento Kings traveling to Golden State. Man, I was choking on that. Uh, maybe that's why I should have. It was, it was a science saying just shut up. Uh, going against the Warriors here. Uh, for the Warriors, we have uh, Bijalika, uh, Draymond, Andre Iguodala, James Wiseman all rolled out. Otto Porter Jr. is questionable. No injury report for the Kings. They are on the second half of a back to back. So we're going to have to keep an eye on that. Obviously, we don't have a game total or a spread or anything like that. I will pass it over to you. Uh, looks like De'Aaron Fox ended up not playing in uh, tonight's game as we record this Wednesday night. But there's probably a decent chance. I know he was another guy that went through a shoot around, but with it being a back to back, they just probably were a little bit more cautious. Uh, so keep your eye on that news, I guess. Give us a take on whether he plays or doesn't play. How we you approach this?
1: Yeah. And I feel, I almost feel like Darren Fox is going to get that same kind of treatment that Che uh, that Gilchis Alexander is getting, where, you know, if he really wanted to push it, he probably could have played, but they're gonna handle him with kid gloves at this point because frankly, what do the Sacramento Kings really have to play for other than developing their guys? And that's really what we've been seeing in the last couple of games. Uh, Halliburton obviously gets the opportunity to be full on point guard, has had one game where he absolutely blew up and the other one where, you know, he was slightly below par, but I'm still okay to be able to go with him. You know, he's gonna be in a matchup where Golden State Warriors, super fast team, going to be forcing teams to go into more smaller lineups, which is good for Halliburton because he has uh, that lateral quickness. He has the the actual strength and plain and simple the height to be able to stay in front of Curry. So it allows them to uh, kind of go with a couple of other lineups. And I still expect him to be able to get to that uh, mid to high 30 minutes range, which, you know, in a game we obviously don't have the total for it as of yet. But I expect this to be one of the higher scoring games of the night. But between Tyrese Halliburton and on the other side, Davion Mitchell, those are the two major guys that I'm targeting on this team. Uh, Mitchell, purely exactly what I've been talking about with regards to them, clearly working towards building this guy up. He's He's their rookie. He's shown flashes. And for four straight games now, he's gotten 30 plus minutes. And more so than that, he's shot at least 14 field goal attempts in all of those games, including, you know, 17 and two out of those three, two out of those four as well. So you know incredibly, incredibly secure floor at 4,800. I don't see how he won't get to five, if not six X pretty comfortably. He's handling the ball a lot more. And I expect De'Aaron Fox to sit out on this game as well. We know Terrence Davis got announced with his, uh, with his uh, wrist surgery, and he's going to be gone for at least three months as well. So a lot of that runway has cleared for both uh, Halliburton and uh, Davion Mitchell to essentially go ham the buddy Heald's minutes have been kind of up and down as a result of that so i kind of avoid him and find myself going towards those other two guards and uh see what they can do against the warriors
0: and yeah this um i i wouldn't think you're wrong if fox sits and they just start giving him the shade treatment um it, it very easily can happen i don't, i think he probably is one of those gamer guys that might want to get back on the court and the fact that he went through shoot around has me thinking that there is a decent chance he does play just because, like, why even put the guy through the shoot-around? Just let him keep resting up until, I mean, we're only, what, like a week away from the all-star break at this point? Um, why not just, did I get that right? Week, two weeks? What is it now? Um, yeah, just a Week, just a little the week and, and a half? Yeah, exactly. Week and a half, yeah. yeah. Right after the trade deadline is usually when it is. But um, I think that they wouldn't even have him go through shoot-around and participating like that if that were the case. So I'm kind of leaning more towards the effect that he might play. If he plays... I'm probably not going to have interest in much of anyone uh, outside of the random narrative, uh, and it's not really random of Harrison Barnes though. Um, just coming back to Golden State, playing in the Bay Area, the whole click. at 6,100. It's a it's a rock solid price tag. He's put up about a 34 DK point average against this team in two games already this season. So he's probably the one guy I would look at a little bit. Um, you know, not overly excited about him, but I think he's a rock solid play. Uh, and then I don't mind looking at a guy like Metu again. He played 25 minutes in that last one. Didn't get the game we wanted out of him. But as long as Marvin Bagley continues to be out uh, they're without Terrence Davis, they're going to need a little bit of size in the front court. So he's another guy I wouldn't mind looking at. But overall, I'm not too excited about these Kings now. If Fox does sit, I think Halliburton at 8,500, he's a rock solid play. I'm always willing to bet on the upside of Halliburton. I'll take his bad games and his bad games still end up being about 35 Uh, But again, we talked about so many guys in that 9K range where he's getting up there. Uh, This is going to be a tough matchup for him. Golden State might want to make this a little bit of a statement game, um, but what do I know? I just don't feel overly excited about any of these guys. And I think Mitchell's always in play as long as Fox is out. Just, again, kind of matchup proof and narrative proof or everything else. If you think it's going to be a blowout doesn't matter. He'll still get good run. Young player that they're trying to get more involved as the season goes on. and progresses. We've already talked about Fox being in many, many uh, trade rumors, and it's because they have this guy right behind him. So, again, I- I'm not overly excited, but just keep your eye on the news. If Fox hits, it's Mitchell. Uh, if Fox plays, probably not playing anything outside of, like, a one-off of Harrison Barnes here and there. Uh, on the Golden State side of the ball, Steph Curry coming in at 10-4. Um, pretty much – willed their way to that win against uh, the Rockets. Just had an unbelievable fourth quarter over there, put up 40 actual points. He's starting to shake off that slump, man. Uh, over the past three games, he had two of those games with over 50% shooting. Uh, in both those games, he shot over 50% from deep. So that's the kind of stuff we want to see. It's an absolutely fantastic matchup for him. But at the end of the day, it is underpriced. If you're running it back with somebody on the other side of the ball, makes sense. Otherwise, I still prefer Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, and maybe getting a couple more of those, like two more of those cheaper 9K guys in the night. And then I think Clay Thompson, 6K, I'll i I'll have some shares of him. Had the game off for rest. He's playing still that high 20-minute mark, so we're never getting the huge, huge upside out of him necessarily. But I always love targeting shooting guards going against the King. It just seems to be a tough spot for him no matter who they're going against. And I think Mitchell, they probably end up putting Mitchell on Steph. Like even if Fox is out, they'll probably try to go with Mitchell on Steph is what I imagine. And then throw Hallibur in on Clay, but you give me your take on this team and what you expect. Got to keep an eye on Otto Porter Jr. Uh, obviously, if he sits, I would open up some more minutes uh, in the front court for JTA or Kaminga. But I'm not overly excited about either one of those guys. But for the most part, man, I'll probably just be looking at like Clay Thompson, and I I won't. I'll never argue against Steph Curry. It's just that simple.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement with you on those guys, uh, Steph especially. 10 4, people were worried about him uh, forgetting how to shoot the basketball for a number of games. So for him to finally get back on track, it's always a good sign. Probably heard the fact that he's uh, dropping down hard on the MVP ladder. So wants to remind people why he should be up there. But Sacramento has always been a matchup that he's done well in. I believe uh, he had two of his 12 point or 12 three point games against them. I know his 13 one was against the Pelicans, but yeah, he's just cooked them throughout his career. So. Never fault you for going with Steph Curry. He probably will be, uh, you know, that's outside of Carl Anthony Towns, who I spoke about as, like, my 10K guy. Uh, Steph Curry's probably the other one that that I find myself having more interest in compared to some of the other studs. So definitely in play for me. It really all comes down to, uh, you know, what I expect this matchup to be. Honestly, Steph in... In three quarters, as long as he's shooting well, we'll be able to go ahead and pay off that 10-4. But it really just comes down to, you know, who's got the kind of upside that can really get you that 60, 70-point game. And, and that price tag, I might go with some of, some of the other guards instead and be able to get someone like Carl Anthony Towns instead and bank on him doing well for his price tag instead of going with Curry. And Clay Clay's always in play. It's just, for me, it all comes down to uh, how my lineups are shaking out. He's also in that Gary Trent range, man. He's only playing 26 minutes.